morning, glory, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for joining me. It's the last radio hour of the week. That means it is time for the Hillsdale Dialogue. All things Hillsdale Dialogue are collected all the way back to 2013 at Hugh4Hillsdale.com. All things at Hillsdale are collected at Hillsdale.edu. And today, Dr. Arn is sleeping in. He is not with us. But we are in great luck because Dr. Matthew Spaulding, the director of the Kirby Center, the Allen P. Kirby Center, the Allen P. Kirby Jr. Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship is a project of Hillsdale College. The purpose of the Kirby Center is to teach the Constitution and to bring the debate right into the belly of the beast in Washington, D.C. You should go and find it at kirbycenter.hillsdale.edu. Matthew Spaulding, welcome. Good morning. Thanks for being with us morning, in Dr. Arn Space. How are you? I am terrific. Well, it's it's uh, spring break, break out on campus, so I don't even think he's there. He's not. He's sleeping it off. You know, uh, this is his, his, his week off from, from teaching, and he's probably out running around doing some other stuff. I think he's watching TV reruns of Game of Thrones. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, but uh, I am, I'm glad to have you because for a particular reason, and I want people to understand first your background. Will you, will you walk Matt Spaulding people through your career in Washington before you came to lead? the Kirby Center? Uh, well, uh, uh, well, af- after I did my Ph.D. work, <clears throat> and I actually started my career here in Washington, I was an intern in Ronald Reagan's White House uh, at the very beginning. I uh, uh, started out from there, worked in the uh, presidential advance, in the press office, in the political office for a while. Uh, got my Ph.D. out with the Claremont guys, who I know you're familiar with out in California. You met with Dr. Jaffa. Charles, yeah. uh, studied with Harry Jaffa, uh, Charles Kessler. Um, that's where I met uh, Larry Arn. He was uh, out in Claremont at the time. Uh, and then I was at the Heritage Foundation, vice president of the Heritage Foundation, for a long time, working with Ed Meese in particular, and built a center there to do constitutional studies. And I, my wife went to Hillsdale. I've been teaching for Hillsdale for years. And finally, about uh, four years ago or so, uh, Dr. Arn convinced me to literally jump ship. I, I actually crossed the street <laughs> uh, because we're right here in Washington, D.C., near the center, uh, Senate buildings on Massachusetts Avenue. And I came over, and now I'm with uh, Hillsdale, and we're building a program here to try as best we can to expand in the, the teaching mission of the college, to radiate the teaching mission of the college about constitutionalism and the crisis we face in modern government and to help people think about complicated questions like the one we face today, which I think is a, is a talk about a great example. You know, I study um, uh, history, and you think about the 19th century, all these great compromises, all these big, complicated manu- pieces of legislation with a lot of moving parts. How do you think that through from a statesman's point of view, from a prudential point of view? Gosh, we're in the midst of that now between this and the budget and this new administration and what's going on. This is a time ripe for this, a need for this kind of serious thinking about what's the prudent thing to do, given that you now have the powers to do things. If people go over to KirbyCenter.Hillsdale.edu, they will see a picture of you, Matt, at a podium and sitting next to you, sitting are Senator Mike Lee, Senator Jeff Flake, and Chairman of House Financial Services Committee, Jeb Henserling. Uh, under the title Reclaiming Article 1. And what goes on at Kirby is not just raising up students to levels of competence and capability that they can be effective in Washington, D.C. You help these lawmakers focus on the big stuff. And this American Health Care Act is the biggest of big stuff. But one thing you left out, you have some experience with moving part negotiations, the Welfare Reform Act of 1996. Uh, Some of that was so the Welfare Reform uh, then was... A big thing when I was at Heritage Foundation, trying to get all that figured out and 
negotiating all those those uh, uh, those pieces. And I think uh, what you learn in that process, and I think what we're learning today is uh, it's 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 a messy, imperfect process, um, and you got to figure out how you uh, use pieces. Uh, make some compromises along the way, but the, the key thing is to keep in mind what is your main objective? Where are you going? What are the big things you're getting out of this? Uh, and put these things in in perspective. Uh, there are a lot of moving pieces here. You, you, you've been doing some great stuff on them. I, you're reading the commentary. Um, how do these things balance out in the end that raise this uh, larger question about, in the larger scheme of things, in terms of where we're going, uh, does this kind of reform actually work? Now, in the last hour, John Dickerson uh, put forth the argument, and I agree with him, this is high stakes. It's very much a disaster for Donald Trump if this does not pass. Very Absolutely. much I mean, a disaster. If, if this thing does not – you start looking at how this plan works out, right? If you don't get this, you get no tax reform, for one thing. But also there are just a lot of moving pieces in terms of putting their their agenda forward. This is the first big thing they're trying to do. Um uh, if they get it wrong, I, I think this actually does potentially threaten uh, their majorities in Congress. I know that there's some they're nervous about that. The, the, the majorities are not as big as you would think in the House. Um, this is this is key to, to advancing uh, the, the the president's agenda and getting all these things to come together. Absolutely, but but the larger thing to keep in mind here is that look for Republicans have run on this how many how many election cycles to 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 repeal Obamacare. Um, this is a major commitment. This is part of the, uh, the Mr. Trump's campaign. Uh, they need to to carry this out. But it turns out, and, and what I think one of the big lessons in all of this is, um, you know, in the last eight years, we, we got to think about how the modern administrative state has, you know, kind of like a cancer in the body politic, how it really gets into all the little uh, nooks and, and, and crannies. It's extremely complicated. And so now we're seeing a, a Congress who's not used to governing, who's not used to passing legislation with a majority and a president to, uh, that would sign it, uh, learning again how to legislate in an extremely complicated atmosphere, trying to keep track all the little pieces and all the big pieces and trying to you know go someplace with it. Let uh, me play for you a little Paul Ryan, get your comment on a cut number nine. I'm the Speaker of the House. I'm not the Majority Leader of the Senate. So my job is to move bills through the House. Let me describe to you in one word what all this is about and what is happening. Legislating. This is legislating. This is going through the regular order process. Here in the House, we're going through four committees. We constantly get feedback. We constantly get, get suggestions from members. And we're working at bridging those gaps to get to make improvements in the bill so that members, uh, so we have a, a bill that can pass. And we feel like we're making great strides and great progress on getting a bill that can pass because it incorporates the kinds of feedbacks from members from all walks of life in our conference. Um, I have not heard from those senators. The senators who've been critical of the House bill, none of them have called me, so I'm not sure what exactly their, their concerns are. All I would say is senators are not helpless with respect to the House. The House passes its bill. It sends it to the Senate, and then they get to take it from there. Senators, if they have a concern or an issue, are free to amend that bill when it goes over there. That's part of the legislative process. So I can't speak to why a senator doesn't want a bill to pass here or what, but they'll have every opportunity to make a change to this legislation because that's how legislation is written. House passes a bill. House amends a bill, sends it to the Senate. 
Senate brings up a bill, and then the Senate can amend a bill, and then we go to conference. That's the legislative process. Now, it seems to me, Matt Spaulding, that's true. Right. But it does undervalue getting closer to the mark in phase one. You want to get as close as possible in order to diminish the number of people that you have to satisfy in the Senate. Do you agree with me on that? Uh, yeah. So let me, let me let me back up for a second. Every, you know, let's let's look at the, from a larger perspective. Um, what what, what uh, the speaker said is absolutely correct. This is about legislating. He described how the process normally works, but we've got a couple of factors here going on that we have to take in consideration. Um, not the least of which is that once it gets over to the Senate, something else happens, and you don't do not have a uh, filibuster-proof majority, uh, and that's just a, 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 a fact that they either need to address directly, which is say send something over there to the Senate, and then let them figure out how to deal with it, or you go from the beginning uh, having uh, uh, taken that in consideration, and you're already uh, legislating in the House with that in mind. Uh, from a structural point of view, I think that this really shows a, a major dilemma that we have in legislating big items right now uh, that come down to this problem with uh, with rules. Uh, you also have these. You know, so they're forced to go into reconciliation, which is this uh, process which deals with uh, budget issues um, that in turn uh, restricts what they can and cannot pass this first time around. And then because of that, you have this additional problem, which is they can only get so much through reconciliation. Although I think I think you suggest this as well. There potentially is more room there if they're pressing a little bit more. If they if they actually we'll come back after the break and continue talking with Matt Spaulding about that, because there's a lot more room. I've laid it out the Washington Post and we just have to get and I think the Kirby Center is vital to this. Get them to start thinking out of the box because they're thinking like a minority. Uh, Matt Absolutely, Spaulding. that's that's in short that that's the problem. They're they're not thinking like a, a majority that controls both houses, trying to figure out how to things get things through and get to the president's desk. We'll be right back with Matt Spaulding. He is the director of the Kirby Center in Washington D.C. Oh, I see here that Syria is firing at Israeli jets. That's never a good sign. Breaking news always, of course. We'll keep you posted on that and everything that happens. All the news you need, the analysis you must have right here on the Hillsdale Dialogue and the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. Last radio hour of the week means it's the Hillsdale Dialogue. All things Hillsdale available at hillsdale.edu. All of the Hugh for Hillsdale Dialogues are collected at that website, Hugh for Hillsdale. We began with Homer. We are today on the American Health Care Act. And salvaging it, it's had a tough couple of weeks, although it has passed the Interstate, uh, the Commerce and Energy Committee. It has passed the... Uh, uh, the Budget Committee. It has passed a third committee, which is eluding me. It is now going to the Rules Committee. My guest is uh, uh, the head of the Kirby Center in Washington, D.C. He is Dr. Matthew Spaulding. Uh, Matt, when you see it get this far this fast, there's something called a manager's amendment. Do you have any experience with manager's amendments? Um, not not that. I mean, the point is, put it in, in very general terms here, right? Uh, the House has a lot of power over its own structure and how they actually do things, which means if they want to figure out how to make this thing better and make some adjustments and figure out how they can use reconciliation to do more things using the taxing power, uh, they could you know, do a manager's amendments 
the person who's managing the legislation can, can introduce those. The Rules Committee can draw this out. Uh, there are plenty of ways of doing this. I mean, without getting into the details, which uh, I think probably uh, probably elude both of us to some extent, because it's uh, complicated, both in terms of how the House and Senate works, um, there are plenty of ways to, to do these things. My, my concern here is that what's the objective? Where are they going? Do they, do they, do they have a sense of that? Uh, and and I, I fear that this thing's just kind of kind of move along, and there's really no driving sense that they need to fix some things to to one get it passed. I'm not I'm not sure it's um, not threatened right now and needs to be fixed, but but also they need to to get some movement on this to show that there's some fundamental things happening, and 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 what they're what what they're trying to do. I think there's some hard prudential questions which I don't um, uh, are not completely clear to me. Right. I mean, the, the Medicaid piece is, is clearly the most important, but there's a lot of regulatory stuff in here that I f- I'm nervous about that doesn't fundamentally get changed. You cut the taxes and the money to it. But a lot of that's still there, which means you depend on phase two, which is what Mr. Price can do from the administrations uh, without Congress. And then there are a lot of things here that don't don't actually happen in the legislation since it's reconciliation. You don't have anything in here about, say, tort reform. Perhaps that can be done through the taxing power with a better sense of uh, how much authority you have. Well, you see, and that's one of the things I proposed in the, in the piece in the Post yesterday, is if you tax every policy that issues in any state that does not cap pain and suffering damages, you will add to the cost of health care, but you will also incentivize those states to get serious about tort reform. So it's a little bit of one step backwards to go five steps forward. Do you think Republicans are willing to think in those terms, Matt Spaulding? I, I don't know. They, I don't know. They they think out of the box in that way. Um, they might, uh, given that you've written it, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, look, there's uh, what, what, I, what I fear is that now that this thing is up and, and moving, and they're getting sh- shot at from all sides, uh, left, right, center, you name it. Uh, there's going to be mo- the focus is going to be on how do we get something through, uh, not necessarily how do we uh, think creatively about achieving those objectives. Now, the, the 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 possibility here is that those two things come together in in a in, in, and there's an interest in doing both of those. And there's in order to get it through. They've got to get to some of those things. Now, that brings us to Donald Trump, who has been, by all accounts, going full LBJ, I call it. He's summoning right. members down for pizza and, and bowling. He is talking to them on the phone. He's, you know, he's schmoozing. He's a developer, and you and I both know developers are, uh, they're, they're pr- focused on the permit, right? They're focused on the end game. I expect he's doing very well on this. Uh, he might be, but, but see, this raises the question, what's the end game, right? If the end game is... Uh, getting something through so that we can move on with tax reform, uh, that, that's one thing. But uh, look, does, does this piece of legislation fundamentally change the direction of health care in a way that we can honestly say, as conservatives, that this is a, a positive step forward? The pieces are there. Some, some pieces are great. They're in it. But it needs some more. It, I don't think it uh, does that yet. As a provincial matter, it's not clear to me whether this whole package moves fundamentally moves us away from Obamacare in a, in a radical way that transforms the direction of it. More on that when we return. Dr. Matthew Spalding, director of Hillsdale College Kirby Center, is my guest. All things Hillsdale, available at hillsdale.edu, including online constitution courses. Every one of these Hillsdale dialogues available at Hugh for hillsdale.com. Stay tuned, America. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back, America. To you and happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Of course, the big news of the day is Rex Tillerson saying that uh, diplomacy is over. U.S. is prepared to take military action against North Korea if necessary. Rex Tillerson says that's the headline in the Washington Post. That's bracing. My guest is Dr. Matthew Spaulding, director of Hillsdale College Kirby Center. I divert for just a second, Matt, um, to this headline. U.S. prepared to take military action against North Korea if necessary. How bracing do you find that? I I find that extremely bracing. Uh, I find it refreshing that uh, someone is willing to acknowledge that we have a problem with diplomacy with North Korea. But but in terms of uh, what our options are and and, and how to proceed and what's going to happen here, this is uh, extremely bracing. But it points to us, points back yet again and and reminds us about this, you know, in the budget proposal and what we're looking at. Um, How do we strengthen our defenses? How do we how do we maintain our national security Uh, and how the Trump administration goes forward in putting together a strong national security team? We've got we're behind in a lot of these things. We're behind in the world. We're we're, uh, in weakened position, I think, uh, across the board Um, and uh, in Asia of all places. Um, And I think the administration is going to have some questions. Where do they start? Where do they uh, choose to emphasize their 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 uh, their strength? Are they in a position to do so? Uh, I think there are some real practical questions with this, but I, I find it extremely bracing. Yeah, the, um, the South Korean Foreign Minister, Yun Byung-si, actually agreed. Uh, we have various policy methods available, he said, but he went on to say that, you know, if, the, if it got to blows, we would go to blows. This is the first time this has actually been talked about in public since 1993, 94, when we get, went to the brink with North Korea before they were nuclear. Now they are, of course, nuclear. Right. That means Seoul goes up. Uh, well, it means a lot of different things. It's just one of those stories that is so overwhelming. People don't get their arms around it. The other one being the ACHCA. Now, let's talk briefly about the budget. I don't spend a lot of time on the budget, Matt Spaulding, because it's a directional document. It isn't actually a budget. But the direction of the budget was also bracing. And by the way, if they erase NPR, NEH, NEA, I'm very happy. Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Absolutely. Me too. (laughs) When they exist, I wrote in defense of it in 1990, but there's this thing called the Internet, which has just basically removed all, except maybe PBS and Big Bird, the policy reason for all of this stuff. The content of a world of diversity is available at everyone's fingertips. Look, let me, again, pull back. This is what we do at Hillsdale. Pull back and look at it from a big perspective. I agree with what you just absolutely said, what you, what you just said. But, but uh, the, first of all, the, 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 what the president submits is a directional uh, document. Congress will be the, now the one that actually put this together. But think about where he is going, where the Trump administration is going. Put this together with the health care reforms. And you know the, the prudence of this, the, the bigger picture is where, where the movement is. Uh, Donald Trump uh, inevitably is, is 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 going to confront the administrative state, the vast bureaucratic state that we have all around us. This is the crisis of our times. The question with the health care legislation is to what extent does this thing, despite its uh, imperfections and despite the fact that this is not as much as we might want, does this fundamentally move in a direction that challenges the administrative state or, as Steve Bannon has said, deconstructing the administrative state? Clearly, where he's moving in the budget is doing that. I mean, the budget itself, in terms of cutting agencies, but also think about that um, executive order he sent out to his heads of departments in terms of giving them instructions, right? Uh, he wants to consolidate. He wants to cut. He wants to eliminate. Um, this is going to run up against 
uh, the, the, the kind of liberal progressive way of governing uh, this new order that we have uh, around us, this new way of, of ruling. Um, that's going to be the movement in this administration. It already is almost by default. And I think we need to look at that and, and judge it accordingly. My question is, uh, the, the concern here is, is, is Congress, is Article One, the legislative branch, uh, the one who will need to do a lot of the heavy lifting if this is going to happen, right? They're going to have to pass the budget through normal process. This is all the things they talk about and, and uh, what Speaker Ryan is, is talked about a lot. Can they do that? Can they move that forward? Now, i got to ask you, Matt Spaulding, the Congress suffers from the Beltway bubble-itis. Now, I like to point out that Madison and Hamilton were never Hill staffers. But when it comes to legislation, if you're not a Hill staffer, nobody listens to you. I, I run into this all the time. They just simply they indulge in the classic, you don't know what you're talking about, this is very complicated stuff. And I always reply, Hamilton and Madison weren't Hill staffers, none of this is that complicated, you guys are building a guild. Can you break through uh, the vast guild that is permanent D.C. to get ideas on the table? That's exactly the the, the, the challenge. I think what the Trump administration, the virtue of the Trump administration is, is they have broken through politically, uh, but now Congress needs to do the same thing. We need to make Congress great again. And what Congress needs to realize is they have vast, extensive amounts of power. Uh, Think about our conversation just a few moments ago about the complications of reconciliation and what you can do with your parliamentarian in terms of tax policy. This is true. This is part of the problem is is that Congress has so hamstrung itself over over decades now uh, that they don't really legislate much anymore. They don't actually do budgets. They need to relearn that process. They need to relearn it fast if they're going to do this, because that's where their power lies. Uh, the power of the purse uh, of, of Congress is extensive, um, and they need to to uh, re- you know, re-strengthen those muscles and look past the, 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 the narrow details of, of, uh, of, of the rules. Uh, that's why things like reconciliation are important. How do you get past them is the question. Uh, the filibuster in the Senate, how do you figure out how to deal with that fact? Or are you at some point going to challenge it? Uh, American politics and, and the representative process in terms of the executive and the Congress is how do you play out the views of the American people? And the fact of the matter is the American people increasingly, which is why you have Donald Trump in the presidency, increasingly want to see some changes of direction. The, the, the fact that the the, the, the process questions, these internal uh, Hill complications are preventing Congress, the most powerful legislative body in the world at this point, um, from from carrying out and being able to openly debate and deliberate about uh, the will of the American people, which is to, which, which is to fundamentally change uh, key aspects of the direction of our government, to make it less bureaucratic, to make it less driven by um, uh, kind of elite internal Washington, D.C. thinking, uh, to open it up and have new debates about things like health care. If we can't figure that out and we get caught up because these inside the Beltway rules and we miss the larger objective, I think this uh, this will be a, a massive failure. The, the, the reason this has to pass now, something needs to pass, is because of all the other things that are backed up behind it, and this will probably be our only shot That's uh, correct. At, at, at going after Obamacare. So, so, every- so what, what, whatever they pass, whatever they pass now, if there's not enough in it to change the direction of Obamacare, you will now establish a Republican and Democratic consensus for government-controlled health care. And the next guy will come along and, and uh, make it a little 
reform a little around the edges and we move forward. Is is government a one way ratchet or is it not? They need to think about this is a fundamental crisis in, in constitutional direction of our country. And, and they have to be G, the, the Thor's hammer. They really cannot. Uh, the, now, there are ways to make the transition easy. There is a, a money fix to the Medicaid transition to a capped and devolved program. And, and, and those, those precisely, those are your prudential points, right? Yeah, there are things around the edges where you can make things easier. That has to do with some money. It might, it might end up costing you more than you want to spend right now. But the question is, you have to be ruthless in terms of going after your direction, which is, in the case of Medicaid, fundamentally uh, changing it as an entitlement. But in terms of these regulatory questions, right, what is the threat here? The threat here is the modern administrative state, which is regulating our lives and everything we do. And that gets to, you know, I do believe in the taxing power. If you tax every policy that issues from a state that is not capped pain and suffering damages, that's tort reform. You will have incentivized it. If you, you incentivize ta- it, correct. If you tax every policy from every state that, that piles on essential benefits, you have incentivized slimming down the essential benefits list. There are lots of ways, but they've got to get there and hammer away. I'm not sure they were looking for a hard win. I think they were looking for an easy win and discovered that that's a hard win. Well, the, the the problem goes back to this this strategy, which I understand. It in a in a in a perfect world, this might make sense. Where you pass some things through reconciliation, you do a bunch of regulatory things through the administration, and then you come back with a third pot and you, you do some of the big things. But I think they only have one shot here, and it's got to have enough elements in it that we can um, uh, honestly say that this uh, has fundamentally you know. Obamacare does not exist as it previously existed. Some pieces are there that we're willing to accept uh, as a provincial matter. Some things have been changed that work. Uh, but it's not there in a way that another administration or in the future it can merely be turned on again. And they need to pull enough of those things together in this first package uh, if, if this is actually going to work. If at the end of the day we've passed something that is, is questionable, uh, that does not have any of those key elements there, then I think there's a real serious prudential question as, about, as, as to whether this was a good thing to do. The, the dilemma, the political dilemma, is that they've now gotten to this spot and they've got to get something through. But I'm an optimist about this because I, I also think if they don't get it through, the House flips. And I, I had John Boehner sit in my studio in, in the summer of 2006, right before he went to play golf at uh, down in Orange County's famed Shady Canyon, and assure me not to worry the House majority was uh, absolutely bulletproof. You know, we had redistricting. didn't matter that the war was going badly could not lose it. We got hammered. And I believe if they don't pass Obamacare, the same sort of thing can happen, which is, means that Donald Trump would then be facing for the second half of his first term Democratic hearings, Democratic gavels, Democratic votes on articles of impeachment. He has to get this deal. Max Absolutely. That, that, that's, that's the dilemma they are right, where they're, where they're at right now. And I think from, a, from, from our point of view, in terms of uh, what this package actually looks like, we need to be able to, uh, to get enough in it so that we can honestly say this has uh, got some real muscles in it to to change the direction of the thing. Um, that's why I think you're getting criticism from from conservatives uh, and uh, and others as as well, but especially that conservative uh, com- uh, complaint. Right, the, the the promise here was to to repeal Obamacare. Uh, can you go back to zero and square one after eight years and the complications of it? I don't think I don't think you can. But in how you're doing it, how you're handling the regulatory aspects especially, but also Medicaid expansion, um, are you handling those things in a way that we can honestly say from a prudential point of view, this moves us uh, fundamentally in the right direction, that sets up, um, sets it up such that 
you, you you really can't turn it back on. Yeah, you, you have to attack the essential benefits reg, and you have. Right. To, and they're going to repeal the taxes, and that's good. They're going to repeal the fifty employer ceiling that artificially holds down employment. They're doing the easy stuff, but they have to attack the essential benefits, which was the federalization of health care policy. Ab- absolutely, but this this other regulatory piece, I, I have to tell you, Hugh, makes me very nervous. A, a lot of the things that rec- reconciliation doesn't won't t- uh, won't touch a lot of those regulatory matters, and it'd be you know good. Maybe uh, can, could the administration, in the midst of this, uh, issue executive orders or make some instructions very clear that those regulations are going away. You know, I that actually believe Matt, every single regulatory matter, I could find a tax code provision to treat by a negative incentive. I really do believe that. We'll talk more about that after the break. Don't go anywhere, America. Matt Spaulding, the director of Hillsdale College's Kirby Center, is my guest. At Hillsdale, uh, at Hillsdale on Twitter is how you find them, hillsdale.edu for all things Hillsdale. One more segment coming up with Matt Spaulding. Don't go anywhere, America. It's the You Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. Thank you so much for listening to the Hugh Hewitt Show. If all goes well, I'll be broadcasting from Stanford on Monday. But we, Marlon, the ex-intern, may have screwed this up royally. If they have not got the appropriate equipment, we will find out by the end of the day. I am joined by Matthew Spaulding, who does have the beautiful Kirby Center studio up and running this morning. You are at the Kirby Center studio, are you not? I am. You sound yeah. like it. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> Matt, I wanted to shift a little bit to the yeah. staffing of the administration, because I think Kirby has a lot to do here. They are empty in a lot of places. They have empty offices. They lack staff hands. They lack people ready to go. Is Kirby ready to step into the breach and provide them young Hillsdale trained youngsters? I'm, I'm talking about yeah. the, the GS 10s, 11s, 12s to come in and put together the briefing no, absolutely. binders. Absolutely. And we've been sending people over there. We've already got people in the administration uh, helping them out in terms of uh, you know speech writing and, and legal things and, and uh, the Attorney General's office. Uh, absolutely, and we will keep that. Uh, keep providing uh, the kind of people. I think that their big challenge right now is at places like what state and defense. They neither one of them has a, has the number two, number two, or number uh, three, or number four, or number five. Yeah, I don't think that uh, Secretary Mattis likes Republicans. I honestly, uh, I think that you know, I love like Secretary it. General now, Secretary <laughs> Mattis, but I think he's a Democrat or an independent, and he will not nominate Republicans. Yeah, I just. Uh, but but they, 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 this is absolutely necessary to make the place work. I mean, it, at some point you can't you can't go forward. You need physically need bodies and folks to do things and carry out uh, your instructions. Uh, so you know they need to you know get moving on those things and figure some some things out and have and have the people. I think you know so we have this great you know revolution, if you will, coming in in terms of the the the, the Trump campaign and what it meant to do and how it wanted to change direction. But doggone it, this is a problem of the, of the bureaucratic state. It's in the government general. It's, it's big. It, yeah, I remember when you, the first do. thing you do is get you the radio people. station and the television station when there's a coup. But then you got to hold them, right? And that requires troops. And uh, uh, that's, that's right. That's right. And so, you know, at, at Hillsdale, we're producing young people. And some of them are, have, have gotten forward and advancing. But, um, uh, you know, they're going to need a lot of people. If this revolution, if this change, this transformation is going to go places, you're going to need this is going to be four, eight, 12, 16 years. This is a long process. If you want to turn the ship around, we need a lot of people for a long time. Remember, one of the 
great challenges of the Reagan administration, where some of their weaknesses is they got in there, they had a bunch of conservatives, but they ran out of troops pretty quickly. Yeah, they did. Let me ask you, Matt, to do a little commercial for the Kirby Center. A lot of people hear about Hillsdale College every week on this show, Hugh for Hillsdale.com, Hillsdale.edu. And I broadcast from the Kirby Center before, but what is the Kirby Center's mission and how does it relate to a student going to Hillsdale? Well, from the students' perspective, it's it's very straightforward. Uh, it's it's uh, students come here and study for the semester. I teach classes here. Uh, we have students interning in in uh, on the hill in different places. We're trying to get some in- students over interning at the, at the White House, as as an example. Uh, so they the student comes here and is actually involved in the Kirby Center. You have a dorm. But- uh, we have a building. Uh, uh, I don't know if I would call it a dorm, but it's a uh, D.C. Uh, uh, apartment building that we use for our students, yes. And so I think it is the most fully integrated in terms of comprehensive and systematic exposure to the federal government. It's another reason to go to Hillsdale is that Matt holds up the lantern of the north when it comes down to be the lantern of the swamp. And, and they, they don't let people get sucked in. But, boy, your your alum is connected up. Oh, very much so. And, and but the, the key here, key here thing is is that the, the students come here and it's good. You see how the sausage is made. One of the reasons you how you how you learn to be prudent, if you if you recall from Aristotle's Ethics, right? You can't uh, study it in the abstract. You study study people who are known to be prudent, and that really requires you see how politics actually occurs. So the the fact that you have students who who are here who have studied these ideas and had great formations. Uh, but are doing it in the midst of taking classes. So I, I teach classes on s- examples of statesmanship in Madison and Henry Clay and uh, Reagan and Churchill. Um, that's how you make the kinds of people we're going to need to make all this uh this And do you out. think the new generation of legislators are learning legislators? A lot of legislators in the old days used to come, and then it was all about the perks. Do you see more and more people coming and ready to learn? I, I, I do. I, I'm actually quite optimistic in that sense. I think the question is, is, is twofold. Um, uh, you think about how many people are new in Congress uh, and have not operated under a majority before. I, I think a majority of, of, of the Republicans in Congress have, have, have never been in the majority. they got to learn that. And the second thing is they need to learn it pretty quickly. We don't have time. Um, some of these things, this this uh, legislation being a perfect example, um, this needs to, to move, and it needs to be m- moving pretty rapidly to keep on track. Uh, if we're in, the, we're in a crisis here. The administrative state is overwhelming us, and we need to figure out how to get the key things locked in to change its direction. And if it doesn't happen in this administration with this Congress, this is a huge opportunity. I don't see it happening in our lifetimes, for sure, and it might have changed direction. I'm, I'm optimistic, but they've got to really get in. But we are in a in. we are in a month long period where it yes. really is the telling of the this truth. This is a crucial moment in our history, and we will look back and see it as such. I agree, Matt Spaulding, Dr. Matt Spaulding of the Kirby Center at Hillsdale College. Thanks for bracing our everything Hillsdale available at hillsdale.edu. All of our conversations, Hugh for hillsdale.com. I'll be back on Monday, I think, from Stanford if Marlon Baton hadn't screwed this up or back in my California studio if he has. One way or the other, go read my Washington Post piece. It's linked at HughHewitt.com. And then tell your congressman and your senator, get this done. Failure is not an option. Thanks, America. Portions of the Hugh Hewitt Show are brought to you by Food for the Poor. 